Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Yesterday, nearly 8,000 BYU students assembled in the Marriott Center to hear the message of Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, an apostle in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a stirring message and one of significance, I think, not only to those who attended, uh, but to many around the world. But before I get into the substance of his message, it is worth noting the the singularity of the scene and, and really get a sense of the setting. So I spoke to several who attended the devotional address yesterday. Uh, each of them described the uniqueness that such a large crowd, especially of young people, could be so incredibly still. Several of the attendees noted that even in the midst of such a large gathering, each person felt like it was it was personal, it was intimate to them. It was there was a profound connection to both the, the man and the message that was delivered. Uh, pin drop silence and intense listening was the way many described it, and extended throughout the entire meeting. It, it really began when Elder Holland entered the arena with his wife, Patricia Holland, and it increased as Sister Holland spoke briefly, some inspiring, encouraging words for the students, and proceeded to really crescendo all the way to the end of Elder Holland's 40-minute message. Uh, really stunning, very stirring. Uh, it may have been the ultimate embodiment of the old adage, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Uh, The students were clearly ready to listen and to learn. And Elder Holland, who I've often described as a wordsmith's wordsmith and a master teacher, was clearly ready with a message to match the moment. He'd obviously wrestled uh, with the principles. He had polished the prose, and he didn't waste a single word in his address. He also brought a, a humble, earnest, listening heart to the gathering which was evident in his tone, in his tenderness, and I think his approach to some pretty challenging subjects. So with all of that as a backdrop, uh, let's get into the message. Elder Holland delivered a, a message that really transcended those in the Marriott Center and those of his own faith. He really stood as a world religious leader with a message to the world, believers of any and every faith, as well as non-believers, secular, business, and government leaders. Everyone could apply the message of the day in a myriad of ways. And so he began this address by going back to a story that he had recounted uh, in the past about Troy and Deidre Russell from Henderson, Nevada. And uh, they had a a tragic experience. Uh, The father, Troy, uh, backing 
out his pickup truck uh, from the garage, uh, sadly hit uh, their nine-year-old son, Austin. And despite all of the efforts of all of the best medical and uh, religious faith, uh, Austin was gone. He he tragically passed away. Elder Holland then picked up uh, on some themes. He said it wasn't about going back because there was more to this story and there was much more for us to learn. And let's begin with a little bit of that. My purpose today is not to repeat that message, but it is to tell you in your university years that some of life's lessons will be difficult and you may be asked to face more than you think you can and certainly more than you want. Elder Holland said that adversity will come to everybody. In Brother and Sister Russell's case, one might think that losing a child in the nightmarish way that they lost Austin would be enough of a parental test for any young couple to face. Well, what does that mean for us? It means, in part at least, that struggle and strife, heartbreak and loss, are not experiences that come only somewhere else to someone else. I love that. Not just something that happens to someone else somewhere else. Uh, It happens to all of us. So Elder Holland encouraged everyone Uh, to practice having faith now, uh, because more struggles uh, are inevitable for all of us. My plea today in this university that I love with all my heart is that we practice now and be strong now for those times of affliction and refinement that surely will come. For some of us, they come now in university years. That's when faith in God, faith in Christ, faith in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will really count. That's when faith must be unwavering because it will be examined in the refiner's fire to see if it is more than sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. For some, the severity of the test may seem like a marathon-length final exam in Mortal Life 101. It is then sailing in what Hamlet called a sea of troubles that it may take all the faith you have just to keep your little craft afloat. There are many around the world uh, during the course of this pandemic and so many other tragedies and struggles over the past several years in particular that do feel, as President Holland pointed out, as Hamlet called it, uh, that we are on a sea of troubles and that our faith uh, is going to be what is required just to keep our, our little boats afloat out there. Elder Holland went on to make a very important point. I think this is for all of us, uh, that God is not out there plotting, plotting our destruction or trying to make us miserable. Take a listen. God does not now nor will he ever do to you a destructive, malicious, unfair thing ever. It is not in what Peter calls the divine nature to even be able to do so. By definition and in fact, God is perfectly and thoroughly always and forever good. And everything he does is for our good. I promise you, 
that God does not lie awake nights trying to figure out ways to disappoint us or harm us or crush our dreams or our faith. Now, with that perspective of what that those tests and trials and challenges of life that come to everyone is all about, Elder Holland returned to the story of Troy and Deidre Russell, uh, having lost their nine-year-old in a, in a tragic accident in their home. Uh, we look at what came next in the story, which is significant. Let's return to Troy and Deidre Russell just four months ago. Early in the morning hours of September 8th, having spent much of the night getting her second son ready for his beginnings at University of BYU-Idaho, Deidre Russell was traveling northbound on Interstate 15. Near mile marker number 14, where the highway is tightly cut into the sides of the Virgin River Gorge, Deidre saw a pickup truck traveling at freeway speed. Unfortunately, it was traveling right at her, coming south in her northbound lane. At the wheel was an inebriated male driver, age 39. Other Holland continued with what happened after the crash. Sister Russell, though pinned immovable inside the car, was not killed in the accident. With remarkable assistance from emergency personnel, she was extricated from the wreckage and life-flighted to the St. George Regional Medical Center, where, after 132 days of hospitalization as of this morning, some 40 of them in intensive care, she is still waging the fight for her life. And this is really where the the mood and the feeling inside of the Marriott Center yesterday uh, really got even more focused and more present as Elder Holland picked up with the fact that the drunk driver uh, who had caused the ad accident that had been so devastating to Deidre uh, was actually in the audience, in the Marriott Center, and that he was going through the process of making repairs, turning his life around, seeking for and giving forgiveness. First of all, some condemnation of the driver who miraculously survived this incident and is with his parents and some of the Russell family in the audience today as our special guests. That's not the purpose of this message. Our purpose is to learn. That's why we come to a university. And one thing this brother and his family have taught us is when we've made a mistake, serious or otherwise, we should feel genuine remorse and sorrow and we should take responsibility for damage done and suffering caused. In the process, we should demand of ourselves a change in the habits and behaviors that brought on those harmful events. But even when we've done what we can, it often won't amount to much. And so we'll have to ask God to carry all the parts that we can't repair or repay. To deserve such help, we surely ought to seek to live a life that would warrant it, always remembering that heaven's grace exceeds our merit. Elder Holland then read a portion of a letter the driver wrote to Deidre and Troy Russell. Take a listen. 
Deidre, I feel so horrible about what I have done to you. My heart is broken. My lungs can't breathe. I'm so sorry for the pain you are in. Troy, you are an angel to forgive me. I am so sorry you had to go through so much in your lives already. And now this, and all because of me. And please tell the kids, I'm so sorry I hurt their mother. Deidre, I know I nearly took your life. But if it matters, you've saved mine. Father Holland went on to say that we all have a duty to care for each other. And that part of that is learning the lessons of obedience. We ought to acknowledge the tears of a heavenly father who simply asks us to take care of one another, to be careful rather than reckless with the well-being of our sisters and our brothers, childlike obedience to his parental calls and his divine warnings will spare us and others agony in the end. Thus the cry of his only begotten son, if you love me, keep my commandments. It is part of the apostolic burden for me to stand, my colleagues and associates in the twelve, stand with the Savior in that plea, in that request. We always extend our love, always. We are morally obligated after that love to ask for obedience to the commandments as evidence of that affection. Father Holland then spoke of another important lesson. I think it's one of the most important lessons of the day, forgiveness. I offer a second lesson. It's the other side of the forgiveness coin. Just as the transgressor seeks forgiveness as part of the quest for relief and peace, we need to forgive, at least in part for the relief and peace it brings us. As angry as Troy and Deidre might justifiably have been over this terrible experience, they have felt that they could not and should not withhold forgiveness for him who gave offense. As part of that motivation was because Troy has spent these last five years of his life struggling with his role, accidental as it was, in the loss of nine-year-old Austin. He said that we all need forgiveness. Every single one of us needs forgiveness in one form or another in every aspect of our lives. There's not one of us anywhere on this campus who has not needed forgiveness for some mistake made somewhere, sometime. Our deed may not have been as severe as the kind we're recounting today, but we've all made mistakes, and some of them were serious mistakes. I include myself in that list. Whatever the event, we all thank God for being the Father of forgiveness and for the gifts of mercy and relief that he offers us. 
all of it ultimately coming to us through the majestic atonement of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to join in and participate in that offering. Elder Holland then uh, gave a final point, uh, also significant, of what we do in the midst of really, really hard times. Now, a third lesson from this incident. I've never heard them say it, but like all of us in moments of suffering and pain, the Russells may have sometimes shouted, Why me? Why us? Why again? Or how much do we have to face in life? Or does God really care about me at all? If they've asked those questions, they would be in good company. Elder Holland then uh, wrapped up, uh, as is his trademark, uh, with hope, with vision, and with encouragement to keep working, even when things don't look so good or feel so good. So when you're being hammered on the anvil of adversity, when your soul is being refined with severe lessons that perhaps cannot be learned any other way, don't cut and run. Don't jump ship. Please stay with the only help and strength that can aid you in that painful time. When you stumble in the race of life, don't crawl away from the very physician who is unfailingly there to treat your injuries, lift you to your feet, and help you finish the course. Elder Holland concluded his uh, speech at the Marriott Center yesterday on the BYU campus uh, with one last quote uh, from the Apostle Paul Uh, talking about hope in the midst of trial. When your life seems to be one tear and tragedy and heartache after another, the meaning of which and the answers to which you cannot understand, I ask you, as Paul did, to hope for things which are not seen, but which are true. So Elder Holland, again at BYU, uh, in a really riveting uh, message to students on campus, some 8,000 in attendance there in the Marriott Center, uh, but went through this, again, this amazing story of this one family, and a story that teaches us a lot of the lessons that everybody of every faith and of no faith need in our world today. Forgiveness, the meaning of faith, the way to have hope, to move forward, and how we ought to treat each other. I think we're all encompassed in uh, those words yesterday. It is worth a read uh, and a listen if you want to go back and listen to the uh, full broadcast there from yesterday. Uh, To me, this was really uh, about the power of of forgiveness uh, and what that hope actually means. I've always said that it takes a strong soul to set aside a a slight, uh, nothing compared to what the Russell family has gone through. It takes courage for all of us to cast away contempt in any form. It takes a greater vision of the inherent good in people to let go of a grudge, or it takes a humble person to put down the wearying weight of a painful past. Uh, But it's what we do with that that I think matters most, and I think Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, an apostle of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, captured that in a stunning way 
Truly, giving is the glue that binds a society. Forgiving is just great for the soul and unleashes our better angels. Stay with us. Hour number two of Inside Sources coming up next. Live breaking news now on the mobile app for KSL News Radio. Sponsored by Any Hour Services. Listen at home or anywhere you go. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. This is Utah's news station. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.